0: Hello, people of the way. Uh, If you have your Bible, open up to Romans 6. We're going to continue our study through the New Testament. And keep in mind here what has happened so far in the book of Romans. Paul has taught about circumcision and not literal circumcision like the law in the Old Testament, but circumcision of the heart. And he's taught about a new law, the law of faith. And he's taught about righteousness. And understand that Paul is giving meat to milk drinkers. When I say milk drinkers, it's because the church in Rome, they're a very young church. Very, very young church. And I think it's so beautiful because Paul doesn't withhold meat from them. It's kind of uh, left to the Lord. And I, I think that's a good model if you're a teacher, if you're a pastor, if you're an elder. To go ahead and teach the Word of God, the full counsel of the Word of God. You know, sometimes a lot of uh, teachers, they like to candy coat the Word of God. And say, oh, you know, I, I don't want to teach this. I don't want to teach that because the people can't understand. No, you teach. Go to the Word of God, the full counsel of the Word of God. And people will grasp. Some won't, but people will grasp. And it's so beautiful because what do you see in the church? You see growth. And those are that's from the teacher perspective. But then from the pew perspective... You know, don't be afraid to take in to, uh, I don't want to say take on these concepts, but take in these concepts. Because we need them for our own growth. And I love how Paul, he doesn't withhold meat. He just, he gives it to the people, to the church, Christians. You know, the good news is for fish. But then once the fish, once the fish become lambs and sheep, it's like, you know, meat. Steady diet of the word of God. The milk of the Word of God and the meat of the Word of God, indicative of growth. Growth, just like in the natural world. A baby drinking milk, and then, you know, in the course of time, a baby can eat hamburgers, and in more time, you know, then big spiritual pork chops. And look what happens here. All these things that Paul has taught us about so far, and he says this in verse 1, chapter 6 of Romans. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? question mark that's a hardcore question you know oh let's let's show let's show people how gracious the Lord is. how by sinning more that's the question that he's asking. No way that's not a good model. Shall we abide is how continue translates. Shall we abide in sin that grace God's grace may abound? remember where sin abounds, grace abounds much more a biblical truth. But does that mean to exemplify grace, God's grace, that we need to start sinning more just to prove a point? Question mark. That's what Paul says. He says in verse 2, certainly not exclamation point, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And this is a hardcore question. How shall we who have died to sin bingo bingo paul hits the nail on the head dead to sin how shall we who have died to sin live longer any longer further in it and you know i have to say if you are a milk drinker if you're a milk drinker of the word of god you know and you're a baby christian praise be to the lord But if you've been walking with the Lord for 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, or even more, and you're still on a diet of milk, that's not a good thing. I don't say that to hurt you. I don't say that to bring you harm. I say that to encourage you and urge you to grow and mature in Christ. Because maturing in Christ is dying with Christ. Paul is... Bringing up a hardcore point here, how we've died to sin? Have you ever talked to Christians like, Oh, yeah, you know, I got drunk last night, whoa, 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 we've died to sin how You're like what's the disconnect? Tell that to another brother, tell that to another sister, oh, I got drunk last night, I got so hammered, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're supposed to be dead to sin. That's the old you. What's going on, brother? What's going on, sister? He says this, Or, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? You know, do you not know? That's agnoeo in the Greek. It's two things here. Two things can happen. It's number one, to lack information. Or number two, to lack intelligence. Both are Both are bad, but one is better. Because if you lack information, you can change. You can get information and make proper adjustments. Make proper changes as you choose to yield to the Lord and yield to his word. I'm reminded of Apollo's. He lacked information because he was teaching the baptism of John, the baptism of repentance. And remember, it was Priscilla and Aquila who came alongside him and taught him better. And so because he lacked information, all of a sudden Priscilla and Aquila come in. And as iron sharpens iron, you know, all of a sudden they spend some time with the Apollos. And they teach him. They pour into him. He lacked information. That's why I say it's better to lack information because you can get information and make the proper changes. But the other side of agnoeo is to lack intelligence. That's not good. To lack intelligence. That is not a good thing. It's not a pretty picture. That's what Paul is saying here. Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Remember, water baptism, it's your gravesite. You go down in the water, you go down, and it's like, you know, you're down, and then boom, you come up, and you know, you emerge from the water, but that water is now your gravesite. It's your, it's your tomb. It's your tomb, straight up. Therefore, in verse 4, we were buried with him. Remember, agnoeo, either to lack information or lack intelligence. We were buried with him. Death. Death. I'm not speaking about suicide. You know, if you have suicidal tendencies, suicidal thoughts, remember the Philippian jailer who was going to kill himself and Paul urged him, and cried out to him, No, don't do that. See that you don't do that. We're still here. Let me tell you some good news. And thus I say to you, if you have suicidal thoughts, suicidal tendencies, don't do it. Don't believe the lie of Satan. Don't believe the lie of so-called pastors who call suicide a, 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 a fast track to heaven. Very common, very popular. It's a growing, growing doctrine, growing teaching. It's a lie from the pit of hell. I say pastors, but I have them in air quotes because they're wolves, wolves messengers of Satan rather than messengers of the Lord. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. You see? Baptism is your death, water baptism. Now there's implications of life. You know, you emerge from the water and you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. A new life and life everlasting. But baptism is still death. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2 really quick. And here in Galatians 2, verse 20. This is what is written here. In verse 20, Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. And the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, this is a beautiful verse. And praise be to the Lord. It's like, whoa, this is such a hardcore, beautiful verse. Crucified with Christ. You know what crucif- 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 crucifixion is? Death. I-, I don't live anymore, but Christ lives in me. That's what this writer says here in verse 20. And the life of which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. In Jesus, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, remember who wrote this? It's Paul. Remember who wrote this? You know, I made very heavy emphasis in our study in the book of Acts about Paul. How there's something different about him. He's not like the average bear. There's just something different about him. Even the other apostles, you know, even the uh, 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 prophets, uh, prophetesses, you know, the the daughters of uh, Philip, all these beautiful people that were in his circle. But even still, there was something different about Paul. Look at his intimacy that he had with the Lord. Not to suggest that. You know, the, the others weren't as hardcore as Paul. You know, not to put, like, in stature as that. Uh, but, you know, maybe you can say, you know, I, I can make that argument. But, you know, not to put, like, any, like, ranking or anything like that. And not to suggest that, you know, Philip did not have intimacy with the Lord. Or his daughters did not have intimacy. Not to suggest that at all. But there's just something a little different about Paul how his the works of his hands, the steps of his feet, the speech that came out of his mouth, and now we see the pouring out of his heart onto parchment, and we're reading it, his letters to Christians, his letters to the church, something different about him, and how beautiful it is that the Lord used him mightily, And I say that because now we reflect back to our study, or we go back to our study in Romans, Romans 6. And remember, this fellow, particular fellow, who's not like the average bear, is encouraging, is urging, and teaching the church, hey guys, we were buried with him in verse 4. We were buried with him. Through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. So we see here that he's raised, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. But there's something a little bit more which is revealed in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. One verse here says, And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up. By his power. So, two things that the Lord is going to do. He raised up the Lord. That the Lord did. He raised up the Lord. But he'll also raise us up by his power. That's the dunamis power of the Lord. A little verse here about the rapture of the church. The resurrection. Very interesting when you see these you know, secondary, tertiary, you know, all these verses which further explain and further teach us these truths about what the Lord is doing, what the Lord has done, and what the Lord will do. And what He has done is that, you know, how the Lord was raised from the dead by the by the glory of the Father in verse 4 of Romans 6. Even so, We also should walk in newness of life. That's the walk of the Christian. That's how you, that's how me, that's how we walk. How is it to walk in the power and glory of God? That's how we do it. Now, notice here in verse 4, at the end, we also should walk. Should walk. Nobody can force you to walk a certain way. Nobody can force you to behave in a certain manner. But I love how Paul says, you know, we should walk in newness of life. He says this in verse 5. For if, this word if, it's a word of conditionality. For if we have been unified together, and this word for unified together is to be planted together and grown together. We have been un. If, remember, word of conditionality. If we have been unified together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Notice this word, this assurance. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. You know, on Easter Sunday, we say he is risen, and then, you know, another, you know, he is risen indeed. The resurrection of our Lord, the tomb is empty. But you and me, we're going to rise too. One beautiful and glorious day, we will rise. The resurrection of the church. Remember Jesus Christ in accordance with 1 Corinthians 15. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. Which means what? There's more fruits. You, me, and all who believe. But if. In verse 5, a word of conditionality. If. Fear not the hatred of the world, my friend. The world will hate you. Our Lord says it. You might have done away with being a cold Christian. You might have done away with being a lukewarm Christian. And you desire to be on fire for the Lord. And you are on fire for the Lord. And you know what? People hate you. When you walk in this manner, people will hate you. They'll call you stupid. They'll call you a legalist. They'll make fun of you. They'll mock you. And it will hurt. But let it give you comfort. Let it give you assurance as the word of the Lord is fulfilled in your life, in your heart. Because when Jesus Christ says they will hate you, and remember they hated me first, and when people hate you, you can rejoice. Can rejoice that's if this word of conditionality that's if we have been united together, planted together, and grown together in the likeness of his death. Remember verse four we were buried with him now I'm going to explain. Before we continue, I'm going to explain something. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to uh, uh, be overly abrasive. Sometimes I do intend to be abrasive. Because, you know, the Word of God is abrasive with us. Yes, He's gentle, but then at the same time we read the Word of God. Knowing that His yoke is easy, His burden is light, but understand that Jesus Christ is Lord and the Word became flesh. And the Word of God is very comforting, but then at the same time, very confrontational. Very extremely confrontational. Why? Because the Lord is doing a renovation in your heart, in your mind. A complete and total gut job in your heart. If, if, a word of conditionality, if you let Him, if you yield to Him, And a lot of times, you know, I've been accused of teaching works-based salvation. And I disagree. But I do teach a death-based walk. Which people call works-based. I don't call it works-based. Works is a debt. We studied that already. Works is a debt. I do not teach a works-based salvation. But I do teach uh, works... uh, uh, (laughs) Uh, obedience-based, works-based death, which is obedience unto the Lord. And that's what Paul is going to teach us on. And some of the things that we're going to discuss, they will be abrasive because it, you know, maybe you haven't denied the works of the flesh. You know, you hear me talk about the big ticket items, you know, I say crack pipe quite a bit. Because, you know, the three biggies that I've seen in the church, sex, drugs, and alcohol. Sex, drugs, and alcohol. Those are the three biggies inside the church. There are more. There's, you know, people lie. I'm not trying to say that that's okay in no way, shape, or form. People lie. They're tax cheats. They, you know, pay people under the table, you know, because they're cheapskates. It's sin. It's carnality. But the three biggies—sex, drugs, and alcohol—those are the three biggies. I've talked to uh, so-called teachers in the church, past so-called pastors in the church, who tell me they like to be drunk, they like to a little buzz. They don't, you know, on, on church days they don't—they're alcoholics, but they don't want to admit it. They just say they like the little buzz. And you have a fool like that teaching God's sheep? Away. No And so, look what happens here in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That's hardcore. Paul, what are you saying? (laughs) What are you talking about, our old man? What are you talking about, our old woman? That our old man, it's the former ways. Your old nature, my old nature, was crucified with him. So what do we see so far? We see, you know, in in the past several in verse five and six, you see, planted together with the Lord, grown together with the Lord, crucified together with the Lord, and resurrected with the Lord. Verse 5 and 6, this is a loaded, loaded verse. Loaded verses. And our old man, our old woman was crucified with him. That's this word of conditionality if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, if, that's a choice you have to make, my friend. And I pray you do choose. And remember and understand that we, you and me, we were buried with Him. And that's water baptism. Buried with Him. Our old man, verse 6, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. Translates as rendered inoperative. Rendered inoperative. Inoperable. It's the body of sin. Rendered inoperable. Done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now, When I was a cold Christian, lukewarm Christian, there was a point in my life where I had a stunning discovery. 20 some years ago. A stunning discovery. And it's this. I haven't died yet. Where I had one foot in the world and one foot in the church. I hadn't died yet. And that was a very shocking discovery. That the Lord helped me with. I'm going to say when He helped me with. He dealt with me. The same way He deals with deals with you. And. I think it's so beautiful. You know don't forget that. You know the chastisement of the Lord. It's not a bad thing at all. So, so many people don't like. The chastisement of the Lord but this is what is revealed in Hebrews 12 verse 11 now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present but painful nevertheless afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it and that's the beauty of chastisement in verse 8 of chapter 12 Hebrews says if we are if you are without chastening of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. You know what this word illegitimate is in the King James Version? A bastard. A bastard. That's what he says. Far be it from us. Far be it from you. Far be it from me to ever fall into that category. Welcome the chastening of the Lord. Because what is the Lord doing? It's, he's teaching us. He's training us. Because chastening yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You must understand this. I urge you. I can't force it upon you. But I urge you. Because you know what happens when you have this discovery of, Wait a second, I am still alive. I haven't died yet. That's when you become a meat eater. That's part of maturing in Christ, growing in Christ, going from milk to meat. You see, in the end of verse 6 here of Romans 6, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And if that's you, if you're listening to me and you're like, whoa, you know what? I haven't died yet, I'm still alive. You need to be buried, my friend. And I'm not speaking physically, literally. I'm speaking, well, I'm speaking literally, but spiritually. You need to be buried. Remember verse 4? We were buried with him through baptism into death. Understand, you know, that's the old nature. So you hear Christians, you know, they're like, oh, what, you know, I, I got slammed last night. I got so hammered last night. I drank and drank. Or, you know, I did my meth last night. I did my meth. You know, I got meth mouth. Oh, yeah, I went to the strip clubs last night. What in the world? Why is this happening? That's why Paul, when he he writes to some churches, some people, he says, have I labored for you in vain? That's what he's saying here. Do you not know these things? Remember verse 3, do you not know? These are hardcore questions. The question in verse 2, how shall we, how shall we who, have, who died to sin live any longer in it? These are hardcore questions. And if you have this, if you, like me, have this shocking discovery that you're not dead yet, you need to be buried with Christ so that you can, you know, you're planted, you know, buried. Think of you know being buried, you're like, you know, it's in the water. Your water is your grave. But think of it also as like you're being planted together with the Lord. And then grown together with the Lord, crucified together with Him. And one beautiful day, resurrected together with Him. And He says this in verse 7. For, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Translates as rendered innocent justified, and righteous. Righteous. That's what happens when you die to sin. Remember, people say, oh yeah, Jesus hung out with the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and He did. He did. But then He would tell them, go and sin no more. In your walk with the Lord, it's not to say that you will be sinless, but you will sin less and less and less and less. And the Lord will shape you. And, you know, people put, uh, uh, think of sin as like, okay, you know, uh, I did wrong here, I did wrong here. And yes, that, that's sin and trespass and transgression. But then at the same time, don't forget that to him who knows what he ought to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. It's still a bad thing. People think, oh, okay, I haven't murdered anybody, I haven't done this, so I'm good to go. Wait a second. To him who knows what he ought to do, and if he doesn't do it, then to him it is sin. You see how Jesus raises the bar? Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. Because he does it with all of his family. (laughs) That's how he grows us. That's how he stretches us. And notice what happens here in verse 8. Now, if, another word of conditionality. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also, we shall also live with him. This word, we believe, it's pisteo. Remember, we studied that a couple weeks ago. Pisteo is to have extreme trust and deep faith in the Lord. It's the same word that that was described to Abraham in chapter 4, verse 3. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Pisteo. It's extreme trust and deep faith in the Lord. And that's what he's saying here. If, a word of conditionality, if you are dead with Christ, now it's your turn for this deep faith and extreme trust in the Lord. Just like Abraham. Just like this beautiful cloud of witnesses that we have before us captured in the Word of God. Extreme faith, deep trust, knowing, he says in verse 9, that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Remember 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, death, where is your sting? Where is your sting? In verse 10 here, For the death that he died, he died to sin once. Once for all. Salvation is a free gift. Free gift. And it's available for all salvation. To all who believe. It's a free gift for everybody. Whosoever believes, whosoever. I don't care who you are. Salvation is a free gift for you. The question is this do you receive it will you take his gift will you accept his gift because it's a for you, it's for you that's if you're not if not a believer if you are a believer you got to remember these things you need to understand being dead to the flesh in the in the the the, the old man the old woman because you're crucified with Christ just like Paul, what we reference in uh, uh, Galatians chapter 2, when Paul says in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A lot of Christians, they reference this verse, which it's not a bad thing at all to reference these verses. It is true. But there's a word of conditionality I can tack on to that if if you have been unified together in the likeness of his death just as is written in romans 6 verse 5 you say wait a second do you mean to tell me that this verse isn't for me that's you know i can't say that i can make assessments i can make determinations But if you tell me, you know what, I got drunk last night, I got hammered last night, you know, I'm married but I have five girlfriends on the side, I go to the strip clubs and, you know, look at my mouth, I'm starting to get meth mouth, I'm a tax cheat, I do this, it's like, wait a second. That's not crucified with Christ. Where's the death? That's the old man, that's the old woman. That's the old nature, that's a carnal nature. Where is your crucifixion? Where is the crucifixion? Remember, cr- crucifixion is death. Death. Where is it in you? I'm not going to be, uh, 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 you know, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And if you're listening, you're like, man, you know, I got drunk last night and you know, this is hardcore. Praise be to the Lord, because there were times when I was drunk the previous night. And I heard messages like this, and I was like, whoa, I felt like I was on fire. And praise be to the Lord, because the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit and His grace, because He's merciful and He's loving, He saved me from the fire. By giving me a holy fire, you know, He burned my flesh when I repented. And praise be to the Lord, because that's how He works. You say, wait a second, are you telling me that I'm not even a believer, not even a Christian? No, I'm telling you, you need to wake up. You need to wake up. Crucifixion with Christ. Don't forget, Jesus Christ was on the cross. He didn't stay on the cross. He died once for all. And being buried together with him. Don't forget his tomb is empty. The same way your tomb is empty. You know, your water, you go down in the water, death, gravesite. And then what happens? You come up out of the water and your tomb is empty. A little symbolic of your own resurrection that's gonna happen one day. One day. Let's go back to Romans 6. In Romans 6, um, in verse 10, For the death that he died, speaking of the Lord, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. He says this in verse 11, Likewise, likewise. So now it's our turn. It's your turn. It's my turn. Likewise, you also, following Christ's example, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed. There's, you know this word "dead" indeed. It's it, 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 the translation. It's with certainty in in intense uh, uh, declaration. There's intensity. It's not just dead. It's dead indeed. To sin. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive not to self. Alive to God, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, remember, Paul is speaking to a young church, young Christians, young Christians. And they had all kinds of doctrines spreading in the church. And Paul is writing this letter. He was desperate to see them. And he's giving them these hardcore truths via letter, via letter. He says this, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Do not let, do not allow sin to rule and reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust. You know what this tells me in verse 12? There's no fight. No fight. A person who obeys in the lust of the flesh. And I tell you the truth, in my former ways, I did obey the the lust of the flesh in my old nature. So if that's you, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to come down hard on you. You know, and you obey in the lust. I'm not trying to come down hard on you. But I want you to understand that. Wait a second. I made this leap as well myself. And now I'm on the other side saying, come on, make this leap yourself. Make this leap yourself. And come on, let's get, let's walk together to Zion. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That you should obey in its lust. You must fight, my friend. Fight. Because you know why? Sinning, it's easy. It's a piece of cake. You ever see like a two-year-old have a temper tantrum? You know how easy that is to have a temper tantrum? But then, you know, that's a two-year-old. Look at adults that have temper tantrums. Adults. A guy who gets so mad, all of a sudden is like, okay, let's go to blow's. You know I'm gonna beat you up now. You know how easy that is. I mean, you think you know? Yeah, you you think you're tough. Do you really think you're tough? If that's you, you're, you're a tough guy now. Do you know how easy it is to give in and obey the lust of the flesh? You know how easy it is to sin. You think you're a tough guy? You think you're a tough girl? In so doing, you know what you're revealing? You're not even fighting. I don't see toughness at all. I see weakness. You know, I tell you the truth. When I first read the account of Stephen, this is like 20 some years ago. When I first read the account of Stephen, I was mad. I thought he was the biggest weakling. And I say that to my shame. Because I was reading, I was like, "Wait a second! Why isn't he fighting back?" And I, I was like, mad at the church, the Christians. I was like, "Why, why aren't his friends? Where are his friends? Why, why, why don't they come alongside him and fight back? What, what's happening here? Why is he still? Why did he die?" That was twenty years ago, twenty some years ago, give or take a couple years. Today. I'm so in love with Stephen. I see him as one of the mightiest of warriors. Why? Because he fought. You look at him; he's like, "Wow, he's not even fighting." In my old, my old understanding, my former understanding, he's not even fighting. But today, wow, he was fighting. The lust of the flesh. And he was fighting, and he looked up, and he sees the hand, the, the right hand of the Lord, Jesus Christ. So you see, you know, you, you think you're a tough guy? You're going to flail around, you're going to swing your fists, swing your arms, and, you know, try to go to blows? You think you're a tough guy? You think you're a tough lady? That's not toughness at all. That's weakness. Little babies do that. Little two-year-olds. They have fits too. The same way adults have fits. No. You know what the harder thing to do is? To resist the temptation. Not letting sin reign in your mortal, mortal, understand, mortal body that you should obey in its lusts. He says this in verse 13. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Now, I don't want to get graphic, but I will get a little graphic. Members here, it's body parts. Body parts, men and women. Body parts. Do not present your body parts as instruments. Instruments, weapon, or tool is how it translates. Do not present your body parts as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Remember, this is a letter to a very young church, and how appropriate for the church today. You have to fight. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust. And when I mention body parts, of course there's, you know, uh, uh, violent connotations. When you think of a, a, a person who's, you know, going to blows using his fists or her fists, you know, thinking he's a tough guy, thinking she's a tough lady. When they're, you know, little tiny, uh, 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 they're having their uh fit like a two-year-old but then of course there's sexual connotations too not presenting your body parts as instruments of unrighteousness to sin we talked about some hardcore sexual sin in the law in leviticus and our study in leviticus Sometimes you know you can look in the church and you look in the world and you see absolutely zero difference. You walk into a church and you're like, What in the world? Like, why are females dressed this way? You think you're like walking to a club? What in the world? Where am I? What's happening here? You see the men behaving in a certain manner, the women behaving in a certain manner. It's like, Whoa. Have you not read? Do not present your body parts, members, as instruments, tools of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. From the dead. You see? This is impossible if you haven't died. It's impossible to do if you haven't died. So, When you see these things, when you see, not if, when, because it's all over the place. When you see these things and where you see these things, it reveals something. The old nature is still alive and it's dangerous. Where's the pastor? Where are the pastors? Where are the elders to teach God's people, to teach the lambs, to teach the sheep? Where in the world are the pastors? Where in the world are the elders who need to talk to the men in the church? Men, don't behave this way, don't speak this way. It is unbecoming of a Christian. To speak to the women, hey, don't present your body as, you know, tools of unrighteousness. To talk to the men, hey, don't present your bodies as tools of unrighteousness. Where are the pastors? Where are the elders? Where are the shepherds? Where are the teachers? Carnality in the church. You say, whoa, that's too hardcore. That's too hardcore. You know what? That's, that's uh, you're, you're over the top. Is it really, is it really too hardcore? Number one, I'm of the camp that says there's no other way to live. Number three or number two, look at the church in Corinth. Look at the sin that was going on in the church in Corinth. You could say, oh, it's just a little carnality. Okay. A little carnality led to more carnality, led to more carnality, led to more carnality. And it got to the point where a guy was having sex with his dad's wife. Paul says even the Gentiles, even those outside the church, they don't even do such things. Where were the pastors there? Where were the elders there? Praise the Lord for beautiful Chloe. Who writes a letter to Paul. Hey, Paul, something's going on here. not good I say where were the pastors where were the elders but praise be the Lord for the women the women you see you know you look at a church on Sunday you look at the congregation you look at a fellowship I mean if you were like at the pulpit and you look at a fellowship on a Sunday you see men you see women you see families but then you go to midweek you know like go on like a Wednesday You know what you see? A lot of women. Or you have like a prayer meeting. You know what you see? Women. You see some guys. And I say this as a strong encouragement for the women. You know, women and a lot of fellowships. And I say this to the shame. Shame in the body of Christ. But a lot of women are like second class citizens lower stature. I hate it. Because what are we told? In Christ, in Christ, there's no male, female, slave, free, Jew, Gentile. That's what the Word of God teaches us. Now there's a hierarchy, in you know, a uh, marital hierarchy. Wives submit to your husbands, your own husbands. But that's marital hierarchy. Look at Priscilla and Achilla. You see, uh, Priscilla in submission to her husband, but the two both being used to sharpen Apollos. You know, Achilla didn't say, oh, wife, you know, you go, I'm going to have this conversation. Wife, I'm going to have this conversation with uh, Apollos. You go make us dinner. You go serve me. Give me something to drink, wife. You submit to my authority. Go clean my house, wife. No. Priscilla and Aquila both used to sharpen Apollos. And I kind of feel bad for my sisters in Christ. Because it's like, you know, you're like second class. Not in all fellowships, but I see it a lot and I see it growing. Because there's this dangerous doctrine. Dangerous doctrine of, you know, wives submit to your husband, which is true. It's a biblical truth. Wives submit to your husband. But there needs to be little disclaimers to that. When your husband is in submission to Jesus Christ. That's the disclaimer. And I could expand further, but that's the, the main point. Your husband submits to Jesus Christ, you submit to your husband. Your husband submits to Satan, you do not submit. You submit to Jesus Christ. And when your husband submits to Satan, that's not good. Wife, you stay submitted to Jesus Christ and you hold on to your husband because you can save him. And then with the other hand, you hold on to your children and your your body is like a cross. You are underneath Jesus Christ. One hand is to your husband, the other hand is to the kids and your body is like a cross. Crucified with Christ. Crucified with Christ. But because of this dangerous teaching, dangerous teaching without the disclaimer of, you know, wife, submit to your husband. The husband goes out and does crack, and then the wife says, okay, I'm going to submit to my husband, I'm going to do crack too. My husband offered me the crack pipe, so now I'm on crack too. Now, I'm I'm saying the crack pipe because, you know, that's a, 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 you know, a little hardcore, but you see it. The husband starts doing drugs, and also the husband has meth mouth, wife has meth mouth. And the kids look at their parents, what in the world's going on here? God is not the author of confusion. What do you see in homes? Confusion. That's not the Lord. Oh, but my pastor told me I have to submit to my husband. Did he give you a disclaimer of when your husband is submitting to the Lord? No, he just said submit to my husband. So I'm doing crack now. Okay, get a new pastor. Your pastor's stupid. Your pastor's a fool. Oh, but my elder told me the same. Okay, they're fools. Stupid. They're unqualified. To handle the Holy Word of God. Repent. Wife, submit to Jesus Christ. And hold on to your husband for dear life. Be crucified with Christ. You see? And I think it's so powerful when we read the truth of God's Holy Word. And understand the implications of what this means in our lives. In my life. In your life. Because a lot of people, have, they're milk drinkers. Milk, drink, milk is beautiful for babies. Beautiful. If you're a new believer in Christ, praise be to the Lord. Here's your milk. It's beautiful. Feed on the truth of God's holy word. But then the natural world even testifies of these things. Little teeth are going to grow in. You're going to be able to chew, eat a little sandwich, and then tear at the meat of God's holy word. And you move on to perfection. Moving on to perfection. And that's what Paul is writing about here in verse 13. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And this is an impossibility if there is no death. If there is no death. Remember, a lot of people reference Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Praise be the Lord. These are awesome words and true to Paul. Galatians 2 verse 20. I, Paul, have been crucified with Christ. It is is no longer I, Paul, who live, but Christ lives in me, Paul. And the life which I, Paul, now live in the flesh I, Paul, live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, Paul, and gave himself for me, Paul. Remember, Paul's not like the average bear. I specifically made mention of Paul in these references to self because Paul is different. He's different. The Lord made a difference. The Lord did a mighty work in his life. And Paul yielded to the Lord. And in so doing, he's able to proclaim these truths that he has been crucified with Christ. Now, this verse is for you. I'm not trying to suggest that it's not for you. This verse is for you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High God. And you can inject your name. You have been crucified with Christ. This is no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you. And the life which you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. This verse is for you. But where's the difference? Where's the difference? Are you crucified with Christ? In Romans 6 verse 4, are you buried with him? In verse 6 of Romans 6, is your old man, is your old woman, your old nature, your former ways, is it crucified with him? Oh, you know, I, I I went to the strip club last night, but, you know, uh, Saturday night I went to the strip club and here I am Sunday morning. I'm sitting in the pews and praise be to the Lord. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Really? Really? Chew on that. Think about that. Consider your ways, oh man. Consider your ways, oh woman. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to rub anybody the wrong way. But these are the elements, the very elements of growth. Do you want to reckon the old man dead, reckon the old woman dead? I urge you to do exactly that. That's the old nature, the former nature. And that's what Paul is saying to young Christians, a young church. In verse 13, do not present your members, your body parts as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now, to my beautiful brothers, to my beautiful sisters, you might have to behave differently, speak differently, dress differently, act differently. You might have to do all these things, but praise be to the Lord, you know what you're doing? You're reckoning the old man dead, reckoning the old woman dead. I I saw a testimony of a Christian lady, an older lady, I thought, wow, this is cool. You know, here you have this Christian lady. Let me hear her testimony. And she started speaking. She was a prostitute. And like my jaw just like was like gaping wide open. Like, oh my goodness. She started giving her testimony. I was like, what in the world? Oh my goodness. And I started weeping like, well, how Lord you've done this? My beautiful sister, former prostitute. And she was explaining how she got into that lifestyle
1: my beautiful
0: sister lord look at what you've done in her life what a beautiful work you've done lord and i rejoice have you ever heard the testimony of people and it just blows you away like no way i can't believe this praise be to the lord because you know this woman my sister in christ She's no longer presenting her body parts as instruments of unrighteousness, but she's presenting herself as being alive from the dead and her body parts as instruments of righteousness to the Lord. And she goes out in the streets. She walks the streets and she uh, outreach to prostitutes. She tells prostitutes about Jesus Christ. She shares the good news to prostitutes. You know, she goes to strip clubs when the strip club closes. And you know, and the strippers are coming out. And they're going. She goes and talks to them. She has a beautiful ministry. Prostitutes, former prostitutes. Praise be to the Lord. You know, pray for these ministries. So, so there's ministries that you have no. idea. you watch TV. You turn on TV. TBN tricking believers nightly. And you think like, wow, look at this ministry. Wow, this guy has his private jet. Wow, this guy, look at this this huge church. But pray for the ministries that you don't see. Such as this former prostitute. A group of ladies who walk the streets and they share the good news. They plant seeds late at night. And they go out, you know, rough areas. And they go to the prostitutes. They go to the strip clubs. And they minister to women. Praise be to the Lord. Pray for these ministries. And look what happens here. In um, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You know, this isn't a magic trick. I don't want to suggest that, you know, like, why did you even say that? It's, It's not a magic trick. Sin shall not have dominion over you. It's the manner in which we walk, the Christian. You know, walking in the, the power and glory of the Lord, like we covered in verse four. Even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. It's not a magic trick. People say, "Oh, I'm a crackhead. Oh, I'm a methhead. Oh, I go. I'm a sex head. I do all these things. I'm a tax cheat. I do all these things." But sin shall not have dominion over me. What? You think God is like, you know, a magician? He's going to wave his hand and boom, poof. No, you're not even fighting. There's no fight. Verse 12, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey in its lust. Oh, that's works-based salvation. I'm not even talking about salvation. Salvation is a free gift of the Lord. I'm talking about a death-based walk. Death-based. You see, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Remember First Timothy chapter one verse nine: The law is not made for a righteous person. Oh, I'm under grace. I'm under grace. I can go to the strip club. I'm under grace. Oh, I'm, I'm, I can have my meth mouth. I'm under grace. Really? Really? Turn with me really quick to 1st Timothy. 1st Timothy chapter 1. 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. This is Paul who's crucified with Christ, which we've covered. Dead to self. And he says of Timothy, he says, I have no one as like, there's no one as like-minded who genuinely care for your souls. That's what Paul says of young Pastor Timothy. So, you have two beautiful men here. Beautiful, beautiful men. Incredibly beautiful men here. The older one is exhorting the younger one. And this is what he says in verse 8. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person. But, so, you know, oh, I'm under grace, I'm under grace. I can go to the strip club, I'm under grace. I I can have my meth mouth, I'm under grace. I can be a tax cheat, I can pay people under the table. I can say my little white lies, I'm under grace, I'm under grace. Okay, okay. So Paul says to young Pastor Timothy, The law is not made for a righteous person, but this is what the law is made for. But the lawless, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators. You know what that is in the Greek? Pornos. Pornos. Pornography in the church. It's really, it's a cancer. Pornography in the church is a cancer. And, you know, that's the church. Let's boil it down and look at homes. Pornography is killing homes. Pornography is killing marriages. Pornography is killing families. It's a cancer. It's a cancer. Let's continue. Verse 10. For fornicators, for sodomites for kidnappers, for liars, for purgers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, whoa. If there's any other thing that is opposed contrary to sound doctrine, whoa. Oh, I'm under grace. Let's go grave soaking. Is that sound doctrine, my friend? I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. Let's go grave soaking. No. The law is for you, as is written from older Pastor Paul to younger Pastor Timothy. The law is good if one uses it lawfully. Verse 10, if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Oh, you know what? Go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You know, uh, once saved, always saved. I, I, I place such assurance in one saved, always saved, that you can go ahead and take the mark of the beast and you can still be saved. That's what pastors are teaching. How appropriate for these last days. Last days deception. Do not take the mark of the beast. The law is for you. If you teach such things, the law is for you. And you know what happens under the law? Death. Death. Replacement theology? Oh, God's promises, they aren't for the Jews anymore. It's for the church. Is that sound doctrine? The law is for you. Oh, I'm under grace. I'm under grace. And I pray to the Virgin Mary. Salvation comes through Mary. Is that sound doctrine? In accordance with the Holy Word of God, Genesis to Revelation? The law is for you. And in the law brings death. Come out of her, my people. Repent. Deny your former ways when you obey the lust of the flesh. Deny your former ways when your form of thinking is contrary, was contrary, or is opposed to sound doctrine. Because if that's you, the law is for you. You can say you're under grace, but the word of God reveals otherwise. Verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. says a lot about Paul. The glorious gospel committed to his trust. Remember, intimacy with the Lord. Well, when there's intimacy with the Lord, there's also some reciprocity to that. Now the Lord has intimacy with Paul, and then he says, Paul, I'm going to use you. This is what I want you to do. Just like Moses, he has intimacy with the Lord, and then the Lord says, okay, this is what I want you to do. With Philip, with Peter, with Chloe, all these beautiful people, Rahab, a straight-up prostitute. In Romans 11, or Hebrews 11, you read the halls of faith, you see Rahab, and you read the account of Rahab, Whoa, she's a prostitute. She was, you know, a former, you know, uh, that was her line of work. But praise be to the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is a beautiful thing. The love of the Lord is a beautiful thing. And the two work together, the fear and the love of the Lord. Oh, but I'm under grace. I'm under grace. Well, you want to go grave soaking? Oh, but I hear that on TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly. Very famous ministry, very famous pastor, well-known. I don't care. What does the Word of God say? I don't care how famous, I don't care how the, 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 the number of people in the fellowship. It is contrary to sound doctrine. And the law, the law of which we find death was made for such a thing. Anything contrary to sound doctrine, oh, that's too hardcore that's too hardcore there's no other way to live. I'm thoroughly convinced there is no other way to live. Let's go back to Romans six now in closing, and in Romans six here verse fifteen, what then question mark all these things well, this is loaded what Paul is teaching what then, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Whoa, don't do that. That's taking advantage of God's grace. Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Just like in verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Just the fact that he's asking these questions, it's like, whoa, what was going on in, in Rome? What was happening in the church? It's not explicitly clear, but you can kind of like, It makes you wonder. People presenting their body parts as instruments of sin. I wonder what was going on in the church of Rome. Church in Rome. I wonder what was going on there. And praise be to the Lord that we have these examples because look at the church today. When you walk into a church and it's like, well, you feel like you're walking into a club. The women dressing a certain way the men behaving a certain way you know it's like whoa where am i and you look at the old people and it's like wow you know what i'm going to hang out with the old people <laughs> you know i don't want to hang out with these crazy people i want to hang out with the dead people you know dead to self i want to hang out with the people who are crucified with christ I don't want to hang out with the people who haven't reckoned the old man dead, reckoned the old woman dead. They were crackheads, party animals, you know, whatever, in their old ways. And, you know, they're uh, they're in the fold now, but they haven't denied the old ways. Where are the pastors? Where are the elders to teach? To teach the lambs of God, the sheep of God, where are they? No, they're complicit, they're complicitous, and they will answer, they will stand before the Lord, and they will give an answer. What will they hear from the Lord? It terrifies me, for them, I mean, it's like, I fear the Lord for them more than they fear the Lord for themselves, these so-called pastors, these so-called teachers, these so-called elders, Oh, you know, look, you, where are the elders? The elders are so important in a fellowship. you got to have elders, you know, a fellowship of elders. It's true, biblically true. But I want to know where in the world are the elders that let pastors get away with murder. Oh, look at our church. We have five elders. We have 10 elders. Our church is huge. We have 15 elders. That's nice. They're absentee. They're fools. They're not shepherds. They're dummies. You, it, it's, the Bible says this. You look and you see, and where you don't see alignment with the Word of God, you know what you don't see? The work of the Lord. And in a lot of ways, you see the works of the flesh. You see the old man, you see the old woman. Where is the crucifixion? Remember, Paul, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Paul's. Paul's writing. That's Paul's word, words. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. And these words, they're for you. If there's that word of conditionality. Have you been crucified with Christ? Yes, the Lord loves you and gave himself for you. But do you live by faith? And the life which you now live in the flesh, do you live it in faith? Can you say it is no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you? Can you say you are crucified with Christ? Oh, but you know what? I went to the strip club last night. It's okay. I'm under. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. I have meth mouth. It's okay. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. Well, let me tell you something. I don't see crucifixion. I don't see buried together with the Lord. And my urging, if that's you, my urging... Is that you be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'm just the messenger. I just echo the words of beautiful Paul. I wonder what was going on in the church in Rome. But just based on some of the things that we've looked at, you know, not presenting your bodies, not presenting your body parts, body parts as instruments of sin, that kind of reveals a lot to me. Going back to Romans 6.15, What then? Shall, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not! Exclamation point. Certainly not, he says. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? Now, I have a little message for wives. You know, you hear me say uh, a couple of verses ago how I kind of feel bad for women who are kind of like second class in the church. I hate it. I do not like it. Oh, wife, submit to your husband. Wife, submit to your husband. Let me tell you something. If your husband's a crackhead, you know, or your husband's, you know, uh, uh, has meth mouth, and you submit to that, you're in danger. You're you're bringing in, you're introducing danger to your family, to your home. No, such a husband has uh, denied his responsibility in the home. He's submitting to Satan. You need to submit to Jesus Christ and hold on to your husband. And with your other hand, you hold on to your kids. A lot of wives, and it breaks my heart to say this, but a lot of wives are slaves in their own homes or concubines in their own homes, sexual slaves. And then they're taught, you know, wife, submit to your husband, wife, submit to your husband, wife, submit to your husband, which is a biblical truth. Submit to your husband, but the disclaimer is when your husband is in submission to Jesus Christ. So, what do you see in the church today? Because a man, a man, because a husband, has not reckoned the old man dead because a husband is not crucified with Christ, because a husband is not buried together with Jesus Christ. The old man is still alive. And then all of a sudden, he watches his pornography, he watches his dirty stuff, his dirty movies, his dirty magazines, and then he goes to his wife, wife, You have to submit to my authority. Look, our pastor says you have to submit to me. Look, the elders, they're on my side. You have to submit to me. So therefore, I see these dirty things, the unnatural use of the human body, and you have to do this for me now. Concubine, a wife, is a concubine, a sexual slave. Disgusting. That's not a man. That's a little boy. That's not even a little boy. That's a wretched creature. From the pit of hell. Because he hasn't been taught. He has not been taught. I shouldn't say from the pit of hell. But in submission to teachings from the pit of hell. That's better. Where are the pastors? Where are the elders? To talk to the men and say, men, reckon the old man dead. Yeah, you were a sex head. Okay, that's the old you. Yeah, you were a meth head. You were a crack head. You're a tax cheat. That's the old you. That's not you today. That was the old you. And praise be to the Lord. Because look at the work that he's done. You ever talk to non-believers? And you say, you talk to them about Jesus Christ. You share the good news in obedience to the Lord. And they say, no way. I don't want to be a Christian. This is what I see. I'm not even a Christian. You hear hear them say, I'm not even a Christian. And there's like more sexual sin in the church. I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. Because they're calling out hypocrisy. Non-believers call out hypocrisy. Better than pastors call out hypocrisy. Better than elders call out hypocrisy. Sometimes it's the pastors and elders who themselves are the hypocrites. No, a lot of wives, if that's you, and you, you are a slave in your home, you are a concubine in your own home, your own sanctuary. Number one, if that's you, your home is not a sanctuary. You have no sanctuary. No. Submit yourself to Jesus Christ. You have a pastor that says submit, submit to your husband. Your husband's a crackhead. Submit to your husband. Get a new pastor. It is a biblical truth to submit to your husband. But there's a biblical disclaimer when your husband is in submission to Jesus Christ. And I have to say, a lot of my Calvinistic friends, a lot of my friends that are into Reformed theory, Presbyterianism, uh, Presbyterian leaning, they teach this heavy-handedly. Wife, submit to your husband. And so the wife, they go into counseling with the pastor. Wife, submit to your husband. They go into counseling with the elders. Wives submit to your husband. What is the wife to do? When all these, the pastors, the elders, wives submit to your husband. Talk to the wives of these so-called pastors. Talk to the wives of these so-called elders. And you you see? Basket cases. Basket cases. Because they themselves are slaves to their husbands. They themselves are concubines to their husbands. And they're basket cases. You could see it. Look at their demeanor. They're, They're not free. They're slaves. Wives of pastors. Wives of elders. Slaves of their husbands. Because they're in submission to their husbands who aren't in submission to Jesus Christ. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? This pastor is not in submission to Jesus Christ? Is he teaching that grave soaking is okay? He's under the law. Is he teaching that it's okay to take the mark of the beast? He's under the law. Is he teaching replacement theology? He's under the law. Why do I say that? Because if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, the law is made for such a person. And in the law brings death. Wife, will you submit to that? No way. Wife, You submit to Jesus Christ and to Him alone. And when your husband isn't himself in submission to Jesus Christ, you submit to Him. Now, if you're a husband and you're in submission to Satan, repent. Repent. If you're a pastor and you're in submission to Satan, repent. Repent. I don't call you a pastor, but if you call yourself a pastor, repent, go on hiatus, seek the face of the Lord. And quite possibly I would urge step down because you have abdicated your responsibility to shepherd God's people by your behavior. We're living in very dark times. Very, very evil times. It's the last days. Wake up. Wake up. And so look what happens here. Uh, In closing, do you not know, in verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So, Let's hearken to our studies on Wednesdays and through the law, through Leviticus. Obedience leading to righteousness. And the Lord, through the law, is teaching, He's giving statutes and giving instruction on presenting a choice to the people. Urging them to choose righteousness I would say it's kind of, (laughs) it's kind of easy, you know, based on our study on Wednesday, you see, okay, the Lord, you know, this is, you know, you obey the Lord, this is what he does, you disobey the Lord, this is what he does, remember, reactionary, the Lord's reaction, the Lord's reaction to obedience, the Lord's reaction to disobedience, it's kind of, you read those passages, it's kind of a piece of cake, if you're wondering, what is he talking about, listen to Wednesday's study, last Wednesday, the Wednesday before today, listen to it, then you'll understand I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. But even in the law, we see this concept of obedience leading to righteousness. The Lord is teaching through the law righteousness. And the law is a one. Remember, it's you think of the Old Testament, it's a one-way road. It all comes one direction. It points to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Don't go back to the law. It's a one-way road. You can't go back to the law. That's Satanic to return to the law, it's demonic because Satan wants you to move further and further away from Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law in verse seventeen, but God be thanked that that though you were slaves of sin, notice past tense were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart circumcision. We covered that in chapter two. Paul covered that in chapter two. You obeyed from the heart. In Christ, the only way in Christ uh, for a female to be circumcised is in Jesus Christ. Female circumcision. So if you're my sister in Christ, and you're obe- in, in obedience to the Lord, you know, welcome to the circumcision. It's the, it's the only way a female can be circumcised. I don't care what the, you know, modern medicine teaches, modern, you know, doctors, they, they say, okay, you know, there's, you know, 30 genders. It's stupid foolishness professing to be wise what do we see fools fools abound while they profess to be wise but in Christ if you're a sister in Christ you know it's, it's, it's the only the only way a female can be circumcised is in Christ because it's a circumcision of heart what is your heart he says you you obeyed from the yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Now I read from the New King James Version. I love the New King James Version, but there are certain parts, certain times. And it's very rare, but I wish it were. If I could go back in time to the translators, whoever was tasked with the Book of Romans or this portion of the Book of Romans, I could say, wait a second, you know, maybe you can put it like this, maybe you can word it like this. But he says to which uh, to which you were delivered. Better translates as which was delivered to you or which was transmitted to you. Because when you read verse 17, that, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, it kind of implies deliverance, like in the form of, you know, deliverance and redemption. But it's delivered in terms of, you know, that which was delivered to you or transmitted to you. So some very rarely, but I have certain beefs with the New King James Version. I still love, I, I still love the New King James Version. Um, not to get into the side topic here, but you know um, uh, certain aspects of the King James, uh, ESV, NIV, the non-inspired version, uh, New Living Translation, uh, the Message. If you have the Message, burn it. It's not. It's it's terrible, terrible. I mean, go to the, the 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 Message. You know, and you look and say, there's it's authored by a person, authored by a person. That's the worst. Get rid of it. So, you know, the Lord, certain translations, I have a liking to, I have a favorite, you know, I can explain reasons why, but not to get off topic, but I I I do the New King James Version. I've read a whole bunch of versions, but, and I've settled on the New King James Version. And so, in verse 18, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So, notice here, you this process that we see. We're slaves of sin, set free, obedience to the Lord, slaves of righteousness. And what do we see? A blueprint emerges. And this beautiful blueprint will help you mature in Christ. This beautiful blueprint will help you die in Christ. You know, when you think of your old ways, your former ways, the old nature, the old man, the old woman, you were a slave to sin. And you believe in Jesus Christ, and he sets the captives free. And now there's obedience unto the Lord. And now you're slaves of righteousness. You say, wait a second, what do you mean, slaves? I, I don't want to be a slave. Well, you're a slave to something, you're a slave to someone. I've tried it always. I've. I've been cold. I've been warm. I've been hot. I've been a non-believer. I've been a slave of self, which is demonic. And I've been a slave to Christ. And I tell you from experience, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Thus fulfilling what he teaches because he's a good shepherd. He is gentle. And He loves you. He says this in verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Have you ever had the desire to speak of heavenly things, deep spiritual things, in accordance with sound doctrine and the Holy Word of God, but you absolutely cannot? Not because of you, but because of the people. You desire to teach. You desire to explain and speak about deep, deep, deep spiritual things, but you can't. Because of the people. Such is the plight of the righteous. And it's a very lonely road. It's a beautiful road. It's a lonely road though. But it's also an intimate road because you're with Christ. And Paul says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Just as you presented, presented, notice the ED, past tense. Just as you presented your members as slaves of unclean, slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So, you know, you think of the church in Corinth. Oh, it's just a little leaven. No big deal. A little leaven begets more leaven begets more begets more. It gets like yeast. It grows, you know, you put yeast in bread and it grows. You see the the, the dough, it grows, it rises. And a little leaven leavens the bunch. And that's what's so powerful and what's so beautiful about the Word of God is that the Holy Spirit, He nips it in the bud. I mean, think about in your own walk. You're reading the Bible. Say, you know, your friends say, Oh, let's go do crack tonight. You have a friend, Oh, let's go to the strip club tonight. You're like, All right, let, me, let me call you back and, you know, and later, I'll call you back, you know, in a couple hours. And then you sit down and you read the Bible, you read chapter 6. And you read exactly the things that we're studying. It's like, wait a second, my old nature, I'm crucified with Him. Okay, the Lord, okay, don't present my body part as instrument to instruments of righteousness, not to sin, okay? Then the phone rings. Hey, what's up? Are we going? Are we going to the strip club? Nope. I'm not going. How come? Well, because I'm a Christian. And I'm going to honor the Lord with my decisions. You see, the distinction, the change being made, righteousness, moving on to perfection, maturity in Christ. And so he's past tense in verse 19. Just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present time, present tense, present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness It's this process. Hagiasmos is what it is in the Greek. Purification, sanctification unto holiness. It's a process not of the law, but in the spirit of the law. It's in accordance with the law of faith. So that example I gave, you know, the friend calls, hey, let's go to the strip club. And you say, nope, I'm not going to go. You know, you're female. Oh, let's go get to the bar tonight. It's ladies night. Let's go get drunk tonight. Nope. I'm not going to present my body as, you know, uh, uh, sin in unrighteousness. I'm going to present my body a living sacrifice to the Lord. No, nope, I'm not going. So the little leaven that was inside of your heart, the carnal nature, in yielding to the Word of God and yielding to the Holy Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know what happens? The Lord nips it in the bud. He cuts it out. Circumcision of heart. And He cuts it. You see, because you've made a choice in your heart. Nope, I'm not going to go get drunk. Nope, I'm not going to the strip club. Nope, I'm not going to get meth mouth. Circumcision of heart. Hagiasmos. purification, sanctification unto holiness. And verse twenty, for when you were past tense slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So the covering of righteousness it doesn't apply to you. I mean, you know, when you were slaves of sin because it's a different covering. You're free from that covering because you were slaves of sin. In verse 21, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? Oh yeah, I used to be such a party animal. Oh yeah, it's so cool. Look how awesome I was, you know. Look, it's so cool. Well, also Explain how, you know, how it is to wake up in a pool of vomit. Explain how it is to wake up with your, you know, hugging porcelain, with your face in the toilet. Explain what it's like to to wake up and not know what you did that night. Explain what it's like to wake up on a park bench and have no idea where you are. Explain that. Shameful. Shameful things. What fruit was there when you didn't have, when you were free in regard to righteousness, when you didn't have this covering of righteousness, what fruit did you have then? In the things of which you are now ashamed. What fruit? There is no fruit. Or, you know, wickedness has fruit, but it's nasty fruit. It's got worms. It's disgusting fruit. Rotten fruit. But there's a better way. There's better fruit is to be alive in Jesus. What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Death. But now. In Christ, but now. Having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God. You know, for the longest time, I used to think, you know, being set free. When Jesus set the captives free and how I rejoiced when I was set free. And I always thought that he freed me from my wrist, the shackles that were around my wrist, the shackles that were around my ankles. And I thought, wow, Lord, thank you for this freedom you've given me. And for the longest time, I walked in that. Wow, I'm free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And in the course of time, something happened. I started to hear something like chains being dragged. Wow, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And I started to hear, what are these chains I hear? I look down, metaphysically speaking, and I see my chains. And for the longest time, I thought, wow, Lord, you freed my chains. You freed my wrists from these chains, you freed my ankles from these chains. And then I realized, wow, Lord, you didn't free me from my side of the chains. You did free me. Except you went to Satan and you grabbed those chains from out of his hands. And yes, I've been free this whole time and thank you, Lord. But now, Lord, I've been dragging these chains and I pick up the other end of these chains and here, Lord, they're yours. I give them to you. That's a servant of the Lord. Remember Jesus Christ? He says to the disciples, you're my servants. But then in the course of time, he says, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but a friend knows what the master is doing. Intimacy with the master. Capital M. You know, say you were a a, a servant in a home of a rich guy. And it's day one. You have no idea how, you know, he, uh, he wakes up in the morning. How does he like his coffee? I'm mean, speaking like literally, but I'm explaining a point here. How does he take his coffee? He tells you how he likes his coffee, and maybe, you know, you make him a cup of coffee. He says, Oh, you know what? It's too bitter for me. And then you make him another cup here, and he loves it. Okay. And so you learn, okay, this is how he likes his coffee. I'm just speaking. I'm not reducing the Lord to human terms, but I'm saying point. I speak as a man. <laughs> and then you learn, okay, at this time he does this, he likes to do this, he does this, he likes to walk through the garden, you know, and all these things. And then something else happens in the course of time, you fall in love with him, your master. You're a servant and you fall in love with him. And you know what? He falls in love with you. Intimacy with Him. And He says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. That's the walk of the Christian, my friend. That's the Christian. Intimacy with Jesus Christ. Oneness with Him. And He says this, But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God... You have your fruits to holiness and the end, everlasting life. You know, paradise lost in Genesis, paradise gained in Revelation. Everlasting life. Even so, remember verse 4? Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. And in the end, everlasting life as is written here in verse 22. What does that show us? What does this tell us? That Reckoning the old man dead, several things emerge that were planted together with the Lord. We're grown together with the Lord. We're crucified together with the Lord. And one beautiful and glorious day, we will be resurrected with the Lord. Verse 23, last verse here. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus Christ is the way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And from His Word, He's teaching us. He's teaching us how to walk in holy conduct. How to deny the flesh. How to reckon the old man dead. How to be new wineskins. A new wine that he gives, and it's not just an intellectual application or a logical application because it's highly spiritual, highly, highly spiritual, and we have the Helper, the Paracletus, Capital H, Holy Spirit, the Helper. He will help you, and he does help you. The same way He's helped all these people, the great cloud of witnesses. The same way He's helped you. The same way He's helped me, the Holy Spirit. Oh, but that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. Garbage, poppycock, rubbish. It is for today. He is for today. The Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. It's by this power that we will be resurrected how can a person say that they that that was for the that was for t- two thousand years ago, give or take a couple of years? That was for the Book of Acts. It's not for today. Do they not understand that this same power is the means by which we are resurrected? Do they not understand? Have they not read in First Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen? And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise up raise us up by. His power, dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, but that was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. Do you not believe in the resurrection? You see? Crazy doctrine. Crazy doctrine. And if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, that's such a person is under the law that's you, you align yourself to crazy doctrine, crazy town stuff, grave soaking, replacement theology. It's okay to take the mark of the beast. Come out of her, my people. Repent and taste and drink of this living water. We're going to end our study here and pick up and study further in chapter 7 next week. God bless you guys. Love you guys.